the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, January the 18th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 18, 1911, the first landing of an aircraft on a ship took place, pilot Eugene B. Eli. He uh, brought his Curtis biplane in for a safe landing on the deck of the armored cruiser USS Pennsylvania. It wasn't in a faraway place. This happened in San Francisco Harbor. But it worked. Today in 1778, English navigator Captain James Cook, he reached the present-day Hawaiian Islands, which he named the Sandwich Islands. Today in 1782, lawyer and statesman Daniel Webster was born in Salisbury, New Hampshire. I'll come back to Daniel Webster in a few moments. Today in 1943, during World War II, Jewish insurgents in the Warsaw Ghetto launched their initial armed resistance against the Nazi troops. It was awful. I've been there. I've talked to family members of some of the some of the Jewish people that fought in that lost cause in Warsaw, in what they call the ghetto. The Nazis, of course, eventually succeeded in crushing the rebellion. I've had ministry and evangelism in, in um, Warsaw, and I met some of the families, some of the Jewish families whose grandparents were a part of that. And um, the stories they told were unbelievable. It's now a kind of a shopping center there, and there's a lot of shops and things, mostly, uh, if not all, run by Jewish um, families. And they have crystal and all kinds of things for sale there. It's called the, the Warsaw Ghetto. But in the day, in 1943, it was anything but a robust retail center, I'll tell you. Today, 1943 as well, a U.S. ban on the sale of pre-sliced bread. I'm not kidding. That uh, There was a ban on pre-sliced bread beginning today in 1943. Why? Well, they said the reason was to reduce bakeries' demand for metal replacement parts, like the saws and the machines that cut the bread. They said they needed all of the steel for the war effort. So no more pre-sliced bread. You've got to slice your own today in 1943. For all you old guys that remember that. Today in 1957, a trio of B-52s the, uh, completed the first non-stop round-the-world flight by jet planes. They landed at March Air Force Base in California. 45 hours in the air, they kept refueling. This was back in 1957. Today, in 1993, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday was observed in all 50 states for the first time. And all 50 states are observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day today. One year ago today, ahead of opening statements in the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump, the prosecutors, Nancy Pelosi's House of Representatives, they wrote that Trump had, quote, used his official powers to pressure a foreign government to interfere in a United States election for his personal political gain. 
Well, we now know that Trump's suggestion to look into the Biden matter (laughs) was more than a little merit. We now know that Trump really wasn't trying to advance his political, personal political gain. The Biden family was advancing their personal financial gain in a big way. Well, a lot has come out over the last year that we never thought, I never thought I'd see in America, but we have. This morning, just a couple of hours ago, in fact, the U.S. Capitol was partially evacuated just like I said, a couple hours ago, smoke began curling into the Capitol. There was smoke drifting around the streets around our Capitol building. They panicked. The uh, officials there panicked. The people inside working panicked. I'm certain the, if there were any lawmakers in the building, often there is not, but perhaps some, they probably panicked as well. They thought they were under attack. However, a closer look after they'd evacuated the building and locked down, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands of employees or whatever. They found out that a uh, some a nearby encampment of homeless people had gotten upset and they started fires and they were burning down this camp because I guess they'd been asked to move or something. And so the smoke was wafting up and down the streets of Washington, D.C., and seeping in around the Capitol, and they thought they were under attack by Donald Trump, I suppose. I don't know who they thought was attacking them. But anyway, the the crisis has passed, but it shows, truly, I'm smiling, but it shows how tense it is in our Capitol today, and that is reflected across our country. It's interesting. It's interesting how, as we look at our country, I mentioned Daniel Webster a few moments ago. He was perhaps one of my favorite statesmen of all time, and there are a number that I esteem highly, including some current, present-day ones, some not so much. But Daniel Webster was not among the group of the Founding Fathers. He came in the next generation. Daniel Webster is the senator who said, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. This is his birthday, as I mentioned a moment ago. He said, miracles do not cluster, and what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. He also said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we in our posterity neglect its instruction and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all of our glory in profound obscurity. I'll come back to him one more time. Saturday was National Religious Freedom Day. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. President Trump and his Freedom of Religion proclamation He said, in part, we pledge to always protect and cherish this fundamental human right, religious freedom. MLK said in his letter from Birmingham jail, freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. The question in this new year of 2021 is making a distinction between who are the oppressed 
and who are the oppressors. A different time than Daniel Webster and a different time than MLK. But I'd like to take a closer look at freedom today. President Trump said, in part in his proclamation of National Religious Freedom Day, he said, faith inspires hope. Deeply embedded in the heart and soul of our nation, this transcendent truth has compelled men and women of uncompromising conscience to give glory to God by worshiping both openly and privately, lifting themselves and others up in prayer. In his I Have a Dream speech, King said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Well, that's kind of a paraphrase of what Jesus taught. And it's true, for sure. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. John said the darkness, the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not, speaking of the Messiah. But I think we're entering a new era of freedom. It may not even be called freedom. It's a new era of freedom. F-W-E-E-D-O-M. Freedom. No, I'm not losing my grip on the language. Their featured cover story, L Magazine, it's far left, liberal, all the elites read it, kind of. Anyway, it's pretty popular. It's widely read. This Ashley Ford, she led off with this featured piece about Kamala Harris. She said this, quote, she, about Harris, who is about to become vice president of the United States day after tomorrow. She laughs from her gut the way you would with family. Then Harris tells Ford the story of how her quest for freedom began. <clears throat> her quest for freedom. I'm quoting from Elle magazine. She remembers being wheeled through. She's talking about, about uh, Harris now, almost vice president of the United States. She remembers being wheeled through an Oakland, California civil rights march in a stroller with no straps with her parents and her uncle. At some point, she fell from the stroller. Few safety regulations existed for children's equipment back then, Ford puts in parentheses. And the adults, caught up in the rapture of protest, just kept marching. By the time they noticed little Kamala was gone and doubled back, she was understandably upset. My mother tells the story about how I'm fussing, Harris tells Elle magazine. And she's like, baby, what do you want? What do you need? And I just looked up at her and I said, freedom, freedom. Fox notes that her story is nearly identical to one told by Martin Luther King Jr. They're right. In 1965, an interview with Playboy magazine MLK told this story. He said, I will never forget a moment in Birmingham when a white policeman accosted a little Negro girl, seven or eight years old, who was walking in a demonstration with her mother. What do you want? The policeman asked her gruffly. And the little girl looked up at him straight in the eye and answered, feed him. She couldn't even pronounce it, Martin Luther King said, but she knew it. It was beautiful. He said, many times when I have been in sorely trying situations, the memory of that little girl comes into my mind, and it has buoyed me. We all want freedom. 
Well, Harris is in good company. President-elect Joe Biden, of course, is known for his plagiarism. Back in 1987, Biden ripped off British labor leader Neil Kinnock's biography to embellish a weak resume of his own. As of today, this the next president of the United States has been in politics for 50 years, and he's written three pieces of legislation by all counts. He hasn't really done anything except run for president because it's his lifelong goal. That, those are his words, not mine. But he took... He, he he did, he really ripped off Kinnick's biography to embellish his own resume. That falsehood, other revel, uh, revelations about what he had written about plagiarism, it became public, and back in those days, the press actually reported on things that were contrary to their personal beliefs. Biden had to drop out of the race. Well, there's a new era of leadership, and it's based on evolving truth that the end justifies the means. It's about it's about to begin. It's about to be put upon us. As we watched our cities be burned and pillaged and destroyed in the name of equality, with the rioters being praised rather than punished this summer and throughout all this last year, we learned that freedom to the re- relativistic, secular, progressive means doing anything you want. But to the conservative Christian, or just the conservative, Freedom is the power to do what you ought. And that's the big division in America today, in my opinion. We must decide, can we do anything we want to do when we want to do it in the name of freedom? Or is freedom really the power to do what we ought? And this is a battle that's not a passing fancy, just a disagreement. A lot of the people on the left have been saying recently, that they think that we need to get past that and we need to come together, we need to heal. I'm all for healing. Heal our land, and I pray to God that he'll heal our land if we turn from our sins. He promises that he will do that. That is my prayer in our family, personally. My wife and I pray for for this nation, and I know many of you do as well, but I will tell you that it all comes down to defining freedom, among other things. But this seems to be the pivotal point. We are, If we feel that we are oppressed because of the color of our skin or whatever, then we have the freedom to march and burn and trash cities all across America. We, need, we have the right to establish our own little country in Seattle on Capitol Hill. We have a right to burn Portland for 120-some days or whatever it was. We have a right to declare war on Baltimore, we have a right, we don't have that right to destroy. We have we have the right under freedom, true freedom, to do what we ought to do. And that's what the transition has happened in America. Sometimes people say, I, I can't believe, I never thought I'd see the day, and I've said that before, that I would see our country where it is today. Well, the reason is because we have taken a relativistic view of freedom. And my freedom is different than your freedom. But I'm free to break glasses and attack Starbucks or whatever, personal property, to destroy it. But I'm also free to infringe on your freedom if your freedom does not agree with my freedom. And that's where it comes down to biblical Christians. I'll tell you, there's a growing hostility toward Christianity today. 
put in the context of legal history, the numbers are shocking. The first 110 years of the American Republic, the U.S. Supreme Court decided only three questions concerning religious freedom. 110 years. This is back in the Daniel Webster era and the founding fathers. First 110 years of the American Republic, U.S. Supreme Court decided only three questions concerning religious liberty. The Supreme Court's jurisprudence concerning religious freedom begins in earnest in the 1940s. What was happening then is that the teachers, public school teachers in the public school system that Noah Webster, a devout Christian, had started with all good intentions, and it started well. But that had been tainted because teachers were going to Europe during their time off in the summertime and studying under European European uh, elites and intellectuals, supposedly enlightened in the Enlightenment era, and they were coming back with more and more and more so-called progressive ideas, and they were infusing that into the system until finally Dewey came along and transformed, turned our public school system on its head. That's a part of these statistics. But it began, the, the, the attack, the assault, began in the 1940s. In another way, for almost 100 years of our republic, there were zero cases decided by the U.S. Supreme Court concerning the free exercise clause. 110 years passed before the high court heard a case on the First Amendment's establishment cause, and then not another case on either clause for another 41 years after that. Since 1940, though, litigation on religious liberty has exploded at an alarming rate in nearly every area of religious life, school prayer, religious prayer, release time education, religious land use, distribution of religious literature, conscientious objection, wearing religious head coverings in a military service, the Pledge of Allegiance, the religious beard length, Allah the Amish and some others, and it goes on and on and on. Our country has witnessed a barrage of litigation directed at the fundamental freedom of religious freedom. And liberty. The numbers don't lie. It took 110 years to see three Supreme Court cases, but only 80 years to litigate 75 or more, and it's and it's ramping up exponentially. Religious freedom has been under siege for eight decades, but increasingly so in the last three or four. Remember Coach Joe Kennedy in Bremerton, he took a knee in silent prayer after a high school football game and lost his job. Basically, that's the bottom line. I heard the story of a multi-ethnic church in the middle of Nebraska, out in the middle of nowhere, really. All they wanted to do was set up a community center in a deteriorating downtown area, providing care to the members of this, this Omaha nation, an Indian tribe, that made up most of the town, Yet the church has been under physical attack, and city leaders would rather allow the Main Street to continue to fall into repair, and it's a ghetto, than to let this world gospel ministries, and I have no connection to them, I don't know them, I just know about the case. This light of the world gospel ministries, rather than to let them build a church in this dilapidated downtown filled with homeless encampment and tents, Orthodox Jewish Synagogues in California, they faced 10 lawsuits brought by animal rights in a span of just five years over religious tradition. It dates back hundreds of years. 
A nation not experiencing a siege against religious freedom would not find its courthouses filled with laws over a Marine Corps veteran turned football coach fired for praying. An Irish pastor to Native Americans in Nebraska, Orthodox Jewish neighbors, and it goes on and on and on. A florist in Richland, a photographer who doesn't want to take pictures and use their skills, their gifts, to promote and celebrate same-sex marriage. It goes on and on and on. The fact that litigation is even necessary is thanks in some measure to the lack of political will by the leaders. Our leaders haven't taken a strong stance. Some of them have. Trump has, surprisingly. Nobody voted for Donald Trump four years ago because they thought he was a spiritual leader. I certainly didn't. I had two or three guys on my list that were ahead of Trump. But at the end of the day, it was Trump or else. And America voted for Trump. And he's been under assault from day one. Even before he was inaugurated, Maxine Waters and others were trying to gin up enough interest to impeach him before he was president. I'm not, this is no defense of Trump, but I am trying to turn the light on religious freedom. The, the whole principle upon which this nation was founded is under severe attack. And if we don't know it, we're uninformed. It's not that we are, I read an article the other day, I, I would tell you if I could remember who wrote it, somebody that I knew they're not well-known, but I was aware of their name. They kind of identify with the Christian community. And they said the reason that the church is being dismissed, the Christian church, the evangelical church, is because we whine and we um, disagree publicly with what leadership is doing, particularly the left, the Democrats. I remember that because I took offense to it. It's been within the last couple of weeks. I took offense to it because we're not whining, we're not complaining, but we are taking a stand for religious freedom. Daniel Webster, who was born today a while ago, he also said this, and I'm quoting him. He said, finally, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers were brought hither by their high veneration for the Christian religion. They journeyed by its light and labored in its hope. They sought to incorporate its principles with the elements of their society and to diffuse its influence through all their institutions, civil, political, and literary. He said, let us cherish these sentiments and extend this influence still more widely in full conviction that that is the happiest society which partakes in the highest degree of the mild and peaceful spirit of Christianity. That's it. That's what America is about. That's why America exists. And that's what hopefully conservatives, particularly biblical conservatives, will not slither away and take an elitist attitude that we should not be involved in the political discourse of our country. That is a sin before God as far as I'm concerned. And I believe that I'm right on that according to what the Bible teaches. The parable of the ten talents places responsibility on 
to whom much is given, much is required. And much has been given to America and to those of us who live here. Much has been given to our number of generations of kids that we've raised in this country. But I will tell you, this is an exceptional country. It doesn't matter that Barack Obama consistently denied that. And finally, when cornered, he said, well, I guess we're kind of exceptional because he said everybody thinks their country is exceptional. And he used Greece and a couple of other failing countries at the time as an example. No, that isn't it at all. America is exceptional because God chose to bless this nation because this nation was founded on Christian principles, on biblical principles that is undeniable except by liars. And there are those out there and they're writing books and they have a following. But there is something about America that it transcends. It's a beautiful place to live. And it is beautiful. America, the beautiful. But there's more to it than that. Oh, well, we live here. That's why we like it. There's more than that. There is a divine mandate that comes with God's blessing. And God has truly blessed America. America has become the greatest, the most blessed, the most prosperous, the most inventive nation in the history of the world, the most powerful militarily as well. But America is at a point, at a threshold of decline. If we don't get it right, and we're not getting it right in the political atmosphere that exists today, and you can criticize me, and some do, I'm not talking about Republican and Democrat. I'm talking about right and wrong. I'm talking about biblical truth versus lies from Satan. That's what I'm talking about. And I will tell you that what a man believes in his heart, so is he. And there are people today who are assuming leadership in this country who do not believe in the infallible truth of God's word. They do not believe in freedom as freedom truly is defined. They believe that freedom is getting the upper hand and doing what they want under the guise and under the banner of progress. The word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We're entering a time when we need to Hold fast the profession of our faith. Don't waver. God is in control. We just need to be informed. We need to be involved. We need to be engaged. Don't listen to the naysayers. Trust the Lord. Pray for the country. Witness to people. Influence people. If it's one or a thousand, it doesn't matter. But be engaged and be faithful to the Lord. These are perilous times in our country. We are facing some new kinds of challenges and a new kind of freedom that some of our about-to-become leaders are calling freedom. It's a twisted view of real freedom. Real freedom comes through Jesus Christ. Those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. And it's that kind of freedom upon which this nation was founded. Hey, thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. I have more to say, but we'll continue this tomorrow, Lord willing. Join me then. And thank you for your support. Man, we need it. 
Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009.